0: Hello, everybody. I am continuing my NHL draft and prospect coverage with another episode here and another amazing guest. I've got Stephen Ellis, prospect analyst with Daily Faceoff and co-host of the Puck Poolies podcast. We're going to dissect the draft and talk about how to value players as well as we bond big time over electric drum sets. Let's get to biz. You're listening to Fantasy NHL Today. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Fantasy NHL Today, a sports ethos presentation. Uh, I'm your host, Blake Creamer. Please follow me on Twitter at Blake Creamer SE. And Fantasy NHL Today has a Discord, all right, a fledgling Discord. You got to get your biscuits in there. Click on the link in the description. We're we're getting the biz on the regular. It's it's, it's starting to heat up, so that's nice. Also, I've got an Instagram, uh, Fantasy NHL Today, all one word. Go check that out. Um, it, you know, it's basically just a Boone Jenner fan page right now, and uh, pictures of my cat. So, you know, that's that's neither here nor there. All right, but you gotta follow it because we're that's where we're bringing the hot content. All right. Speaking of hot content, I've got an amazing guest here. All right. Um, you know, the draft is coming up here on June 28th, and to be honest, uh, full disclosure, I know very little about prospects. All right, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Okay but I'm still a good person, and um, it's just a gap in my knowledge, so I, I need the pros to come on in here and help me deliver the best info to our listeners here, so I got a beauty, all right? He is a prospect analyst with Daily Faceoff and the co-host of the Puck Poolies podcast, Stephen Ellis. Thank you for your service, my man. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, all right. Now, I'm, I'm excited. Um, yeah, this is, this is just such a cool time of year, and this... Honestly, is the first year where I've ever really delved into the prospects and the draft. And so I feel, you know, somewhat prepared for what's coming and I'll be able to enjoy it a little bit more. I always watch the draft, but, you know, I don't even know why I don't know the players. so I'm like, good for you, you know, or I would just watch whoever the Vancouver Canucks draft and then pick it apart you know what i mean um but yeah um so you're you're going to the draft this year we're talking a little bit offline now tell me what, what's that like usually when you go because uh you were saying you went to the one last year as well
1: yeah so this will be my, my second draft in person i was in montreal last year and very cool experience i was actually one of my favorite parts was i was at the shane Wright after party and uh that upper deck threw by and threw off and that was cool just to kind of see everything there and i did see a couple signs that said montreal canadians i'll just say that um but uh <laughs> with with this you know it's uh it's a I'm looking forward to it. i've never been to nashville um you know it's a really cool place from everything i've seen great fan base unbelievable fan base from just talking to people on twitter and the draft's a lot of fun you know like for me personally like i've been building towards this draft for the first time since i heard Mc- uh, Bedard's name in 2018 right oh. for a long time ago at this point so we've heard about him for about half a decade at this point so it's nice that this is finally coming together we're finally getting to see what happens and not exactly a lot of intrigue of where he's going but you know after number one that's where it gets fun
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm always so impressed with these prospects. These, these guys like Connor Bedard and Crosby and McDavid, who are so highly touted from such a young age, and they still maintain that value and they get drafted and they're successful. Like that just takes incredible support around that person. And also just this, it's a certain type of person that is able to do that, you know, because we've seen some number one picks fall off, but it just doesn't seem to me like Bedard is going to be one of those guys.
1: I, I don't think so. You know, I think every year the the first overall prospect gets hyped up a lot. And a lot of times it's not fair how much a player gets hyped up. It could just be a really weak draft and one guy is slightly better than everybody else. So oh we gotta go all in. This year there's a reason there's so much hype around Badar. Like he was he was dominant at every level. And you know, people mm-hmm. say, Oh, he's not a big player. Well, he actually I did the numbers uh of all number one prospects that we've seen over the last decade he's actually one of the most physical ones now hitting guys in the whl is a different story but the whl is known for having a lot of big defensemen he goes up against them and doesn't bother them so
0: i just bedard to me is is about as close to
1: the real deal as you get
0: Yeah, it's exciting when you got a player like this coming up and then, you know, following behind all all the rest of the players here in the first round, like it just seems like a really deep, deep draft. And on that point, like in your opinion and just experience, Stephen, how how does this draft compare to other drafts that you've seen, like this draft class? I'd say this is definitely one of the best we've seen
1: Um, you know you look at the 2015 one and how good that was up front but just the depth of that draft was so good Um, this one like even compared to last year you're looking at maybe three four guys in this year's draft that'd be number one last year Um, so and, and to be fair 2022 like they were ones that were hit super hard by COVID. Yeah, uh, They lost that for a lot of those CHL guys. They lost their first year of CHL eligibility. Um, But in this case, you know, these guys also did lose it, but they had that extra year to kind of catch back up. And I think that these guys are going to have no problem being quality players. This this is the best draft to me, for me
0: since 2015 when, when you had McDavid, Michael and everything that happened that year that's exciting yeah um I, I can't wait to see where everybody goes here um, but while i got you here Steven. something I like to do here on the pod when I get a new guest is just kind of pick your brain a little bit and see what what got you into this Well, first off what got you into fantasy hockey because that's very niche and then even further like you you you're you're a prospect analyst like that's kind of a niche on a niche so how did you how did you kind of get into this work?
1: Yeah, so uh, when it came to you know fantasy hockey, a lot of that I have to thank my my co-host uh, for Puck Pooley's, uh Matt Larkin. You know, when I joined the hockey news, he was he wanted to do a fancy podcast, didn't have anyone else to do it with, and I was the producer. I'm like, well, oh, let's do it, and it kind of started out as a we get a bunch of questions from listeners and I would fire them off to him and it just worked. And uh, eventually when uh, 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 an opportunity came to daily face off, I joined and then Matt was already there and we just said, all right, let's do this again. And, but it was because of his interest and seeing how he thought about it. And like, you know, his, he's been very open to who he plays with. And he's got like, he's been a long, term draft pool for a very long time but like he's got mike buble michael buble the singer in his draft it is i love that it's, Yeah, it's really cool like there were <laughs> stories of buble like in between songs texting their group chat about a potential trade he wants to make like that's how into my like into fantasy hockey buble yeah i is. Love that. but seeing kind of the love that he had for it and matt had for it just made me want to pay more attention to it and honestly one of my favorite things to do it's, it's kind of a different way of fantasy hockey, but I love competing against friends and family in the Tim Hortons challenges they do on their Tim Hortons app, where you literally just pick like three guys and, for each day. And you, like if you they if you get seven days where you get at least one of those guys scoring a goal, you get a free week of coffee. And it kind of literally just started as like <laughs> that really, like whenever that first came out a couple years ago, like I got really into it and then just kind of grew. So my love for fantasy hockey is more in the last couple years. I've been doing it for a long time. Like yep. I tell stories on the show about how my first – one of the, my favorite fantasy drafts, I picked Jody Shelley first overall because I knew he would throw a lot of hits and get a lot of fights, and that was going to be good for my pool. Came to last, didn't work. Um, but like things like that was cool. For prospects, it was uh, a friend of mine who was a mascot for a Junior A team out here, the Oakville Blades. And he's like, hey, like they got a, like a opening for a writer. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And so I, I did it, starting in high school, and I kind of just stuck with it. And from there, I'm just like... I just started looking more into prospects, more into that. And I think my real start in hockey writing was international hockey, finding out what was going on around the world. But prospects, you know, when you watch a lot of international tournaments, you get a lot involving prospects. And it kind of just grew from there. And
0: uh, here I am. I love it, man. So just to summarize what I just heard from Stephen, your, your fantasy origin story, Michael Bublé inspired you to to get into fantasy hockey. Is that that's, that's where to, we're at? To care, care about, about it. To, yeah. to care about it, Yeah. Dude, I love that. To honestly like I found out Michael Bublé played fantasy sport uh fantasy hockey and I've been like, you know, tweeting him out and stuff. He's not responding at this point, you know, but uh, you know, I'll, I'll probably I'm, you know, I'm either going to get a response or a block at some point and uh, you know, we'll we'll see.
1: We we got him on the puck He's like our second episode, and I it was really cool. That. He's like a huge like Spider Man fan too, as am I. And he's a key in the background. You see all his Spider Man uh, comics and stuff. And uh, this was also during like the World Cup, and he was like watching that in the background. World Cup of soccer, and it was like right before Christmas. And it's like he's kind of in demand. at Christmas. Yeah, this is so, his time. So right? that was really cool. That yeah. it, it was actually it was funny because. Uh, back when I was a kid, if I ever misbehaved, my mom would t- uh, take us on a car ride and she'd put on Michael Bublé music in an attempt to torture me. And at first I didn't like it cause I was only into like rock or metal at the time. And then eventually like, you know, it's actually not bad. He's, he's pretty yeah. talented.
0: Yeah. You, you developed a flavor for this man's, the honey in that man's voice. All right. He's an absolute legend. All right. Let's agree on that. Um, I'm loving that. All right. Okay. Michael Bublé, we salute you. Thank you for your service. All right, let's get into business. We gotta, we gotta talk about some stuff here. So um, before we get into the specific players, I have some players that, you know, I want to ask you about, and I'd love to kind of just get into your top five too. We'll go through the top five prospects there. Um, but in your experience, I'm just interested, how you, how do you value these prospects? And then maybe even on a fantasy tip as well, like how can you tell when a a prospect is going to be successful in the NHL and then maybe in fantasy as well? A lot of it, you're looking for translatable
1: skills, you know, a guy going out there and getting like, you'll, you'll see some guys this year, like Riley height and Brady egg, going out there and getting nearly a hundred points this year in the WHL, but they're not super high prospects. And, you know, it's a lot more than just offense because, you know, playing right. like in the CHL, you're playing against sometimes a lot of defensemen that are going nowhere. And it's like, This is maybe the height of their career. So you're not necessarily playing against the best competition every night. While at the same time, you're trying to juxtapose in that against a guy who might be playing a full year in the KHL or the SHL, but they're playing three minutes a night and they're not getting those opportunities, but they're playing against better competition in those limited minutes. So it's kind of trying to figure out a good mix of that. So a lot of it, what you're looking for is translatable skills. Now with Bedard, it's pretty much everything in his game. Um, A guy like Fantaley, you know, he's going to the He went to the NCAA older competition. A lot of those guys are going to be playing pro next year. And he was the best player there as a young guy. That's really hard because, you know, you do notice from like 16 to 18, you'll see a certain amount of development in the player. Um, But, you know, 18 to 22, that's when it gets really tough because at that point, the players for the most part are done growing. Um, But you're going to be playing against guys who just have more experience than you. And, you know, in the NHL, you know, there might not be much of a difference between a 23 and a 27 year old, but in, in the, in junior hockey or college hockey, it's a bit of a different story because there's just such a wide range of players. Uh, It's there's so many leagues that are trying to develop players to get to one league. So the talent level is kind of just all over the place from time to time. So with Fantilli being a good example, this is a guy that's got the speed. He's got the size. He's got all the things that make a player good in the NHL. And that's going to help translate to the NHL, but you know, a thing that really matters is skating more than probably ever because of how quick the game is going. You could be a super talented player, but if you can't skate, you're probably not playing in the top six. And mm. if you can't skate and you're not playing as much minutes and you're used to scoring and you're not getting those opportunities anymore, then you, you'd run out of opportunity. So, you know, sometimes the best most viable players in a draft might be guys that get taken 60 70th overall and don't put up a lot of points, but they do those other things. So you're looking for what translates. And, and this year, I think there's a lot of players that do translate very well to being NHL players, but that is so much of it is just projection. Cause you look at it. Alexis Lafreniere had one of the best junior or major junior seasons on in a long time. Now I have my opinions on why that didn't work out. Some of them being the, the Rangers got too good too quickly and yeah. they couldn't afford to keep putting him in, in high scoring chances if it wasn't working out, but he also didn't play for eight months between the time he got drafted or between his last game and the first game he played in the NHL. And that's that's not good for a prospect. That has pretty sickly never happened. So there's things like that. I, that's more of an outlier, but it's like you can look at the guys and say like Aaron Ekblad's a good example. That guy might not be the best defenseman in the world, but he, everyone knew that he was going to be a very good defenseman. He has the defensive skill. He can skate. He can hit. And just that alone is going to give you opportunities. So some guys get opportunities just off of their physical makeup and other guys get it based off of their pure skill. But if you're a skill guy, you have to be able to do other things. And that's where, you know, some high scoring players get lost in the draft and eventually might just not make it.
0: Yeah, no, that that's very interesting Um, in terms of like how to like GM sort of value like that mental aspect that that the prospects bring like and how important is that like um, Because, like, when I'm I'm hearing what you're saying, like, you know, there there are obviously things that are easier to develop and things that are more difficult to develop. So, how did how did GM sort of kind of figure that out?
1: Well, the mental side is is very important, and that's why the draft combine is very valuable. Um, you know, for the average fan, they're not going to care who can do the most like setups and who can do the most pull ups and stuff like that. But it's the interviews that the players do that matter. You know, you hear every year with the Montreal Canadians asking like, what what type of animal are you? That's not because they're like trying to start a zoo and like want to name like their animals after players. It's because they want to know how a player thinks, you know, if a guy is like, if you're looking for someone to be more of a tenacious, like energy guy and the guy says, he's like a panda just likes to be relaxed. Like, okay there's something there. <laughs> um, it, you're looking for the guys and it, 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 there's only so much you could take out of it. It's basically doing psychology in a 15 minute interview, which is very challenging to do. Um, but in a lot of those cases, those are just so valuable to get that mindset. And you know, it, how does a player react after a loss? Is he just nonchalant? Like, Oh, well, whatever. Okay. You take note of that. Is this guy freaking out over a loss, getting mad? He's making dumb mistakes. Okay. You take note of that. You're looking for who could be those calm, relaxed guys, but can bring that, that energy, the tenacity you need. Jonathan Taze is a great example of that, where he Mm -hmm. is, he can get super intense, but you don't see that a lot because he's focused. So the mindset of a player really matters and things like this. And the thing to keep in mind is like, we're still talking about teenagers here. Like, yeah, yeah, most of the players are 17, 18, some are 19, some are 20, but it's like, you're still looking at guys who are like, most of them can't drink alcohol in the, the areas the teams that are drafting them are, are looking at and things like that. Like just, they're still very young and you like, I'll talk to these guys and have to remind myself, like I'm almost 10 years older than these guys. Right. And it's like, but they're so mature. You couldn't think that you, you could have a conversation with these guys as if they're your friends a lot of the time, because they're just, that's just how it is. But um, it's, you, you, you gotta remember, these guys are still young and there's still a lot of development, and a lot of growth and a lot could still change between the draft and the first game they play in the NHL, if that ever happens.
0: Yeah. I mean, just think what your kind of brain waves were like and what your thought process was like when you were 17, like, It's unbelievable the amount of pressure and just expectation and, and how these kids sort of rise to the challenge. Cause yeah, you're right. You do forget that's, that's a 17 year old kid. Like Connor Bedard, even I remember the interview after, after they won the the world juniors there and he's like, how about your special tournament or whatever? He's like, no, it's not about me. Like we're talking about the team. Like I don't want to talk about myself right now. Like that's like, you know, that's the next level, like mental, you know, fortitude that, that the kid has. And obviously like we were talking earlier, like, when you got a guy that's highly touted from such a young age, like it seems like he has good people surrounding him and he's got kind of a good mental uh, aspect of the game. And that's going to, you know, obviously help him pop for sure. Um, One more thing, just taken from what you said there, do you find that um, NHL GMs are kind of taking swings on the on the first round? And then because you mentioned like some of the more the more valuable players are those kind of second round, third round guys that are projected to be like a middle six winger or like a third or fourth pairing defenseman. Like, you know, do you, do you find that like the first round is kind of like, let's take some swings and, and see what happens or, or some GMs kind of come into that a little bit more conservative? it's really kind of tough to know it really depends on the team you're looking at here like i did my mock draft a couple of days ago and
1: i i there was a few swings there one swing could be considered what about oh, Matthew Mitchkoff, the guy who no one seems to know what's going to happen there i went with the theory of the team with the longest development time needed is going to be the team that takes him. That's why I picked San Jose, but he could go to Montreal. he could go to Arizona. You know, Columbus can't afford to do it, but Anaheim might. Anaheim's got a, got a young prospect pool. Maybe they consider. I doubt it, but you know, things like that, you know, it really kind of depends. Like you don't, you you should be drafting for best available player with your first pick. Now, if you've got two, three picks, you can get a bit more creative there. And some teams like I have Columbus taking a bit of a, a potential swing there. And Andrew Cristall, who I think is a top 10 talent from a skill wise, but is, you know, not very good defensively, but you look at a guy like that, not great defensively, not a great skater, but those are things that can be worked on with proper NHL coaching. So some teams that say, okay, these talents of a certain player is so like worth taking a run on. We know there's these flaws and they're significant, but we can do something about that. That's when you start seeing teams make good moves. Wyatt Johnson is a good example of a guy that a lot of people I don't think had as a maybe first round pick when Dallas got him. That's because he missed the entire season. And, was already not a huge prospect name to begin with that. They saw what they liked to them and said, you know what, we'll take the chance on it. I think it's worked out quite well for Dallas and it's, it's moves like that. That can really matter. It's just like Jason, Jason Robertson, actually, if you go back to Dallas, um, yeah. they look at he him. He drafts well over there. You yeah. know what they're doing? Yeah. It's like he couldn't skate very well and that. Watching him. I thought he, sometimes he was the worst skater on the ice. That's not a problem anymore. And right. it's just things like you look for those flaws and how can you adjust them? In a lot of cases, It might not be worth the development time. You might want to go for the more safe pick, and that might be the better choice. But the high-risk, high-reward guys are the ones that make the scouts look really smart.
0: Awesome. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, obviously, yeah, the, the team they're going to, uh, like what you said about kind of the, the development time and sort of where the teams are going to, you know, which direction they're going to go. So um, I can't wait to, to see what happens there. There's just so many interesting things here right in the first round. And let's get into it. All right. We got to talk about Connor Bedard, this legend, this unit that's going to be drafted number one overall to the Chicago Blackhawks. Sad trombone. Oh, my God. I... I I was so choked when I saw Chicago getting this guy. I mean, first off, because they have nobody. Because I care about fantasy, so I'm like, you know, get get him on Anaheim, get him on you know Columbus. That'd be that'd be nice. You know, they actually got some some people there that can you know contribute fantasy wise. Like, who the hell, like who, who is Connor Bedard gonna play with uh, this upcoming season in Chicago? And what do you think fantasy wise? What do you think he's capable of? <laughs>
1: So I, I fully expect the kind of the bottom here to be 70 points for Bedard. He's just good enough to make it work. I think the one thing people kind of forget is Seth Jones is there. And while Seth Jones is not a great defenseman, he's a very good puck mover and he's very good in the power play. And that might be the guy that you were looking as getting a big benefit out of this. Uh, so he now has like a number one center to pass to that's skilled that can create that offense. And, and you can rely on that. And that might be good. Uh, Lucas Reichel, obviously one of the guys I'm very high on him watching him play Chicago and Rockford this year. It's just, you know the fact that they got him, he's going to be ready to go next year is good. Like, I'm glad they didn't rush him. They knew where they were at. Hey, you know, you can get some time in the NHL, great, but let's have him dominate. Let's have him go and get that confidence. And he did that this year in Rockford, and I think that's good. The good thing with the Blackhawks is they do have a good prospect pool, but it's still a couple of years away from being anything. Frankie Nazar, um, University of Michigan, he missed most of the season. That hurt, um, but he will be back next year, and we'll see kind of what they're able to do. But I think the Blackhawks have a good future. They're just not ready yet. But they also have now the best bargaining chip at the free agent pool. Now, this year, free agency market's not very good. They also have a lot of draft picks they can use for trades if they needed to, and I think they should continue to try to load up here because, hey, you want to come play with Connor Bernard? Sounds like a pretty yeah. good way to get track good yeah, talent. I think
0: so. <laughs> yeah, uh for sure. Um, I'm excited about this player. Yeah, I, I did some projections too, and I had him going for like I think it was 74 or something like that, once I plugged the numbers in. But honestly, I, I don't know, you know, I'm just going what I what I read online, kind of extrapolating the numbers, but I, this guy's gonna be a beauty. And then what do you think for for Reichel fantasy-wise? Like first off, do you think he stays the whole year? And then what, what's he capable of doing?
1: Yeah, like uh, I, I he could have played the whole year last year. It was just like they didn't need him to, they didn't need him to play, and that was kind of how they, they did. And then when it was clear, it was like, you know, okay, sure, you don't have anything to gain, they called him up. He'll be there for the whole year. I expect him to be a first line player. Um, you know, I, I think that those two are going to connect a lot, and I think Reichel could be a 45, 50 point player next year, and he'll continue to go up for a while. I think his max is maybe 65, 70, but that's still really good. Um, I think, you know, it's, you don't get a lot of guys like that all the time and you're still want to build towards that. And the Blackhawks are going to be bad for a few more years. So they've got the time to do this, but uh, I think that, you know, he should be a a guy that is going to play a lot next year and and is going to get a lot of ice time, going to get a lot of power play chances. He's going to do a lot for the Blackhawks, mostly because they don't have a lot of other players who can.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And his ceiling goes up, you know, with the drafting of Bedard. There's no question there, mm-hmm. right? Like, he's just going to be capable of doing a lot more. So it's exciting stuff. I'm excited about Bedard about, you know, it ticks me off because Chicago, I'm a Vancouver fan over here. So, you know, I don't want Chicago to really, you know, have any more success. All right. They've done that enough. Let's, let's take a break now. And uh, yeah, now they get Bedard. So what are you going to do? It's fine. Um, yeah. All right. Let's move on. So number two, just a question for you. Is Adam Fantilli a lock at number two? I mean, what's, what are your thoughts on that?
1: He should be. I know a lot of question of whether or not he goes and plays college or if he plays the uh, uh, go plays with the Ducks. I think he should be with the Ducks. He is smart. And I know his advisors are smart. They're not going to say, hey, I'm going to go play. going to leave college before he gets drafted. Um, I think we'll know pretty shortly, maybe even the night he gets drafted, what his plan is, you know, there is benefit for him going back. You know, he's a very talented player. He doesn't need to play in the NHL next year. He does value school. He does value his teammates. He would like to get a national title and he loves playing with his brother, Luca Fantilli, who they've played together for about half a decade now, which is very rare. You see two brothers that are not the same age get to do that. That being said, you know, the Ducks might say, oh, like, you're ready. Come here. Like, what else does he have to prove? Is he going to go get 80 points next year? I don't know if that really helps anything other than his teammates celebrate. Um, but I think, you know, he went the college route. You know, you want to win the national title. That still matters a lot to those players. And there that could still be an option. But it really depends on what the Ducks also do that really makes it seem like if, they, if they're they going to go out there and say, we're going to try to make a playoff run. And I think they can't. I know they didn't have a great year this year. But they also are missing one of the best defensemen. They were just not doing it. Like now they've got a really good prospect pool. And there's a chance Olin Zellweger could get called up uh, after another good year. And he's going to be a guy who could maybe step into your top power play already, like immediately. Um, So there's some excitement there. I don't think they're a playoff team, but it's like there's still a lot of value in him playing 15, 16 minutes a night. He showed kind of in the end of the world championship he could play against pros and play of quality players. But he might still yeah. look at it and say, I still need a bit of time. And that's okay. But I think, you know, if it was Chicago, I think he's there no matter what. Right. You know, it just, I don't know. So we'll have to see there. But I think, you know, the, the, there's a very good future for Fantalia. I don't see how he, Anaheim would let him go. That'd be totally stupid. Unless for some reason they're like, we're willing to take a risk here on uh, on Mishkov."
0: So, yeah, so you think they might go Mishkov if they do anything risky. Otherwise, it's going to be Fantilli.
1: It, it won't be Carlson. It won't be Smith. It would be if they, they don't do Fantilli, it'd be Mishkov.
0: I think Fantilli looked great. I mean, in that tournament, he was ridiculous. I, that, that highlight reel goal he scored, just turning people inside out. I mean, yeah. That, that guy's ridiculous. I'd love to see him with the big club that then that's an interesting piece as well. Like we'll, we'll figure it out after he's drafted. That's I'll be kind of waiting on that because yeah, I, I sort of expected him to go back to college. But um, yeah, I would much rather see him go into the NHL. Is that something that you've noticed like in terms of these these high draft picks? Is there an expectation that they sort of go play with their NHL team like, a, you know, if they're one of these top pedigree draft picks?
1: I think it just depends on the team. You know, I I made an argument that Slavkovsky didn't need to be there right away last year um, with Montreal. Yeah. You look at Owen Power and that was a big move to say, you know, no, I'm going to go back to college. And that was the right move. 100% for him. So it really depends on the team. It depends on the player. I think, you know, with Fantilli, there's benefits for going and going back. But at the same time, it's like he made it looked kind of too easy for him at points last year. Now the thing about college hockey is if you're a top team, it's kind of like all college sports. You typically dominate a lot. And there were a lot of games for Michigan just rolled over teams. Um, that being said uh, uh someone who likes to travel out to michigan to watch some college hockey from time i would not be disappointed if he decided to play another year and i get to watch him play but uh, at, at the same time it's just like you know what it's again there's just it, it really depends on who the player is like meach we know is going to be a few years away carlson might have a chance to be in the nhl but being more nhl ready now doesn't mean you're going to be the better player down the line like some people will point out and say oh this guy made the nhl first over this guy like oh he's better No, all situations are different
0: yep no that's good to hear um i like the ducks this year actually i mean i don't know about playoff team like it sounds like john gibson's gonna move on as well so you know congratulations to him Uh, but he's been a you know shooting gallery for like five years so good for
1: fantasy though good for fantasy you can always rely on a lot of shots against
0: Oh yeah. Big time. I, I picked him. I streamed him in a bunch of times and it's always painful, but you know, you get those, those uh, saves. So that, that's nice and and nothing else, but uh, yeah. (laughs) No wins. Yeah. No wins, nothing else. Goals against garbage, Uh, but that's fine. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they bring to the table. I, I, I like Troy Terry a lot actually as a player I'm kind of big on and, You know, um, obviously, Zegers is going to take it on the step. So I'd like to see Fantilli in there. That'd be great. All right, let's move on. Number three sounds like it's going to be uh, Mishkov or Carlson. Um, Just maybe talk to me a little bit about Leo Carlson and tell me what what puts him uh, in the top five of this talented draft class over players like, you know, maybe um, Ryan Leonard, Oliver Moore, Zach Benson, those type of guys. And even before Mishkov.
1: See, I think there's an argument now to be made that Will Smith could be number three. Um, But with Carlson, he's got the size, he's got that pro experience, and he's got, you know, again, I think he could step in next year. He's got number one center potential in Columbus if he goes there. And that's for me, I think he's the safest pick you got to go with. A guy that some are wondering if he could have been the number two at one point this year. And I, I didn't agree with that conversation, but, you know, just he's, you know, First off, for for you know a lot of times you get with these European players in interviews at this age, they're still trying to find their identity. Carlson's yep. cracking jokes. He's sarcastic. He's fun. He's having a good time. He's enjoying this experience. And uh, we saw him. He was great at the World Championship. You know, yep. there were a lot of people comparing him to like Slavkovsky and what he was doing. But there's a bit of a difference between you know having to be the best player on a team and just being another guy that's really good on that te- on a different team. And that's what we saw there with with. um with Carlson but you know he's a big guy he could shoot he can he can he's got really good uh, footwork he's very quick he's kind of just got all the tools you're looking for so for me I like him there uh if he doesn't if he makes the HL next year good if he doesn't all right you know what I think they should still be upgrading their center spot anyways um but it's somewhere long term if the Blue Jackets truly are in to win uh he could be
0: Gujo's number one guy next couple years Wow, wouldn't that be amazing? Just step in and just center Goudreau and Line. Ridiculous. Well, Line until he gets hurt three games
1: in the season, returns for game 43, gets hurt again. And, you know, other than that, yeah
0: watch this will be the season line a plays all 82 he's going to he's going to pull a, a malkin on us and just crush this this year so like yeah um but Col- uh, columbus is an interesting team fantasy wise coming up here um i think we were all excited uh last season what what would happen with goudreau going there and then the wheels fell off as a gets injured so i again i, I just love just for the storyline when uh prospects make the the big club and they get in and they do stuff you know so that's interesting to hear um, carlson oh taking boone jenner off the top top line oh my
1: god oh no i don't know know if i approve of this no no the team's the team's done if if boone jenner is not the number one center
0: yeah that's what i'm talking about yeah all right we're together on this all right that's fine um all right now let's move on to uh matt bay mishkov i want to hear kind of your take on this player i know he was at one point he was sort of touted as you know it's it's either him or Bedard for number one. And that was early on, obviously, you know, some developments have happened and things have happened there, but what, what's your take on Mitchkov and and where do you think he is eventually going to land?
1: Mitch If he falls out of the top five, I think it's a mistake by specifically San Jose and Montreal, two teams that have relatively newer GMs that could probably buy a couple of extra years. And if they can get the ownership, like Montreal's ownership, you know, they want to win. And they haven't been very, you know, they they made the Stanley cup and they had a couple other decent runs, but they've had a lot of really big dud years in the last 15 years. So they will want to do something here. Um, But I think that just the talent potential is so, so big. And I think with, with San Jose, I think you got to do them. Mike Greer. Like knows that that's not a great prospect right now for San Jose. They don't have a whole lot of high end talent. A couple second liners, a couple of decent defensemen. Uh, they still got to build something here. Mutchkov could go out there and answer a lot of questions. The long term, by the time that team's ready to contend, yeah, because you got to be thinking long term, even past this draft. Yeah. You know, once Mutchkov's ready to go, that's when the Sharks should be ready to go too, and that would be a good uh, bounce there. A lot of questions about, you know is he actually going to come over? I want his contracts yeah. on the 22X. I, I have no reason to believe he didn't. And there's been stories and rumors that they were trying to get him out of his contract somehow. Um, I think that just the pure talent alone, like, yeah, the, the, the comparisons to Bedard were real for a reason. We saw them play at the under 18s against each other. And Michkoff was the better player. Mitch mm-hmm. was the best player pretty much any time he's ever played for Russia internationally. So it is a shame that we didn't get to kind of see that head to head again um, when it really mattered. But I think that there's just, There's so much talent there. He's just so crafty, so skilled, good skating. You know, not a huge guy, but it doesn't seem to matter. He plays with skill. His whole thing is let's put pucks in the net, and he's very good at that. He went out there and basically more than doubled Sochi's win record at the end of the season in just like the 26 or 27 games he played. Like, that doesn't happen, especially for a guy that young. So uh, I think that with Mitchkoff, it's just the the team's got to be willing to wait and take those risks. But to me, the risks are worth it for a guy that – is being considered maybe the best Russian player since Alex Ovechkin.
0: Yeah, that's high praise. And, and you know, that's been kind of unanimous across the board too. So, I mean, where there's smoke, there's fire. This guy seems like a total beauty. Um, you know, even just a little thing, like I, I read that he's coming to the draft. Yes. You know, just like, I know that's just a small thing, but like, you know, he wants to be here. He wants to come to the draft. He wants to go up on the podium, hear his name called, like it. You know, obviously, players don't really miss their draft, but it just—it's just a little thing that sort of shows me like he's—he's he's maybe got his head in the game and he's thinking about the future, right? Like once once that contract's up, he'll be here. I—I don't—I'm not too concerned that Mitchkov's not gonna not gonna come here. So, hey, like, it's uh, the best league in the NHL or the best league in the world. Like, you want to yeah, be there. Exactly.
1: It's my my only concern is would a KHL team be willing to match whatever max salary because you know the KHL does things like that.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, if money's the the motivator for sure, like we could could be in trouble, but it's probably not. I mean, he's got to get down here and get the biz. Um, all right, yeah, I'm I'm excited about that because I think, yeah, like you said, it would probably be a mistake um, if he does fall past number four or five, but I think it could happen. That's kind of it's. I would hate neat. to be You've
1: the that, I would hate to be the head scout that have to explain ownership why they passed on a guy they knew was that talented.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, that makes sense. Um, okay, so that's that's kind of a top four now. Um, and across the board too, that's sort of where the top four lies of, of the sites I'm looking at. Now, pick number five seems to be a bit more contentious and, um, there's some movement there. Who is your pick number five? So it could go a lot of ways. Again, to me, it really matters what Mitch
1: what happens there. And I think that's kind of the answer for like every one of the top 10. Yeah. Um, if if it goes uh, Carlson number three, Mitchkov number four, then the, it's got to be Will Smith. He's the, the clear number five. You know, a lot's been made that that U.S. National Development team, it was Gabriel Perot, who was the top scorer, but Will Smith made so much of that happen. And he was basically, anytime there was a showcase event, he was, if he wasn't the best player, he was the second best player. Like, that's just kind of what he was able to do this year. Um, there's Zach Benson. Uh, the Well, not the Winnipeg, Winnipeg guys anymore, um, but, you know, just a pure talented scorer. Very good two-way guy. Put up a lot of points this year. Uh, you know, get... It can't go wrong there uh and then the best defenseman being david reinbacker you know what well, could the canadians go in and get a guy like him i say no that would be a poor decision but there's a lot of chatter that it could be Reinbacher based off of what people were saying in the draft combine if i'm picking montreal and will smith's available you're picking him if mitch costs available you're picking him uh if those guys are not available for whatever reason you know zach benson's a good option or maybe leo carlson falls to five but I don't think you can go wrong, kind of what those picks. It's just like the, realistically, like fit, like Smith, Benson, um, to a point, you know, Ryan Leonard, maybe even Dalibur Dvorsky, the gap is pretty close between them that right. you can find very good value no matter who you choose. And
0: uh, if I'm a Habs fan, I'm excited right now absolutely and and it's kind of team need too right like what what do you need you can you can go a bunch of different ways and like you said they're all kind of just close to each other in the rankings there all right i got a fun one for you steven all right we're doing we're playing start bench cut all right ryan leonard will smith the fresh prince and gabe perot what do you say who are you starting who are you benching who are you cutting what's what's happening
1: so there's two ways i can take there you go yeah there's, there's a couple ways i could take this one uh Starting in overtime, I want Ryan Leonard on the ice. But realistically, I want Will Smith. Uh Will Smith's the guy that could just do it all. That's who I'd be starting. Benching, you know, Ryan Leonard, save him for that overtime. He's he scores big <laughs> goals when it matters. Right. And Gabe right. Perot, Gabe Perot is the one I'm cutting. Very talented player. Very, you know, we know he can put up those points. Not great as great defensively, not a play driver. That's where he falls for me.
0: Is that sort of is that why um like obviously having the season that Perot had there, um, you know, breaking Matthew's point record, um how come he's is it just his defensive shortcomings that's kind of dropping him down the board a little bit as opposed to his his two teammates there? It's a it's like he to
1: me it's the play driver aspect. It's like he's not the one that like between the three of them, he's not the one that's going to go out there and uh and make those plays happen. He's kind of just like we're talking about a guy who's still like you don't put up all those points by accident, but you know, he's not a big guy. Defensive awareness is a concern for him. Not great skating, that's where it falls down a lot to me. His skating is not great, uh specifically straight line speed and acceleration. But you know, he's very creative, very smart. Uh, his coach, Dan you said a lot of great things about how smart he was. Okay, Scoring the power play, score from anywhere, shoot from anywhere. You love that type of flexibility. It's just, you know, it's it's the size and the lack of size and the the lack of high end foot speed kind of concern me, because those are things that do matter in the NHL.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see where he goes. I mean, I think you, you have him at, uh going at 12, I think, is that right? Gabe Perot.
1: Yeah. And you know, to me, like my, my mock draft and my draft rankings are, are a little bit different. I think I have right. him in my, the rankings I'm putting on next week, I believe he's 14 or 15, still pretty close, but also just shows you like 10 to 15 so
0: close here in this draft. Right. And then team dependent too. So that's kind of, you got to factor that in. Um, okay. You know what? Um, you wrote a great piece on daily face off there about Gavin Brindley and how Adam Fantilli, his teammate has sort of been singing his praises. And, um, I love to hear stuff like that. Like it's a, it was a great article, um, and that kind of gets me juiced on 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 the player, and so that that makes me look at Gavin Brindley a little bit more. Where do you see Brindley going in the draft, and how likely is it that you know he's becomes an NHL player, and and you know potentially even fantasy relevant? But uh, you know, what what is your take on Gavin Brindley now that you've kind of written that article?
1: So I guess if you're looking at a maybe comparable, and I hate comparables because it could go anywhere. You know, I think that right. He's kind of like a smaller Chandler Stevenson meets Travis Konechny in terms of just the way he will always battle for the pox. He's very good defensively, but he also uses his speed to generate a lot of those opportunities he's a fast skater he uses that speed he also seems to have like just very good at the end of shifts too he's not like just getting gas 30 seconds into it like he's very good on those longer shifts and he's that allows him to get back fight for the puck do everything he's not big but it hasn't seemed to really slow him down a ton you know again the nhl and ncaa totally different for uh feels there but i think with him it's he just he he's he's a strong kid and he's out there, and he can throw hits. He can he can push guys around. Not a lot, but can do it. And he's not getting shoved out of the way necessarily. Um, so I think there's a lot of talent there. But he's five nine, and like I run my pieces like if he was a couple inches taller, like he's he's maybe a top ten prospect in this draft. Um, the way he works, he he put up almost a point per game this year in college, which is very rare to do to begin with as a freshman. Now he played on the same team with Fantilli, who did everything, count on all cert, uh, situations. Brinley had to fight a lot more to to get that recognition. And he still put up like one of the best freshman seasons we've seen from a draft eligible prospect. Like that's that's awesome. That's really cool. So, you know, it's also hard to be a true freshman um uh, going into the draft and you're a guy who's already played a full year of NCAA. Not many of those guys did it this year. Um, but it's just I thought there was just so many impressive nights there. You just can't go wrong.
0: Yeah, he's one of those players that I, I get kind of excited about towards the end of the first round or early in the second round where you pick him up and you and you read kind of the scouting report and just all the stuff you just said is like, yeah, this guy, this guy could actually he could maybe hit for a team here, you know, just because obviously he's so young, he still needs to develop, but some of the intangibles are there, right? Like um uh, you know, the mental stuff we talked about as well. So I love that. Gavin Brandley, we salute you. Thank you for your service. Um, yeah. All right. Give me, you know what I'd love to hear actually? What is the biggest wild card? In in, in the first round, top thirty-two picks, who do you think is the biggest kind of all or nothing pick, boom or bust, biggest wild card? Who do you think it's gonna be in the first round?
1: So that can go a lot of ways. I'm I'm gonna ignore Mitchikov because of that one. It's not right. really yeah. performance based, but uh I'm gonna go with Andrew Cristal, uh a guy I'm very okay. high on, um, you know, Colonel Rockets player. Um, you know, it just <sighs> He's such a high risk high reward potential there very good friends of Connor bedard trained grew up played with him and you could see the way he's creative and i asked crystal i'm like notice that the u18s at the end of every practice you're trying lacrosse goals out and it's like is that something you want to do he's like i just like to play a skilled game and like to try things like that and, and try to outsmart the, the goalies and the opponents and you see that the issue is he's gotta be one of the worst skaters in the draft like overall <laughs> and yep. he says he's working on that it's something he's wanting to get on and i believe he's like 5'8 too which doesn't help but it's just the way that he can move the puck creativity there's there's he's a top three prospect in that regard um so i think you know a team that either has two picks philadelphia is where i have them going because you know they've they've got that earlier pick could be valuable or a team with uh on the up and up a team like seattle a team like the rangers like There's room for the guys for a guy like Kim. But you know, for me, I had him probably higher than most. I had him at one point like sixth or seventh in my rankings. And I did drop him because the skating is a concern. But I also pointing out like I I truly believe in this kid to be
0: something. So that that's my pick. All right. There you go. You heard it here first. Stephen Ellis. Book it confirmed this man is a legend. All right. Um (laughs) let's keep going. Um no, yeah. I want to talk to you a little bit about the defensemen in this draft. We haven't touched on anyone besides David Reinbacker, which we talked on very briefly, but um, if you had to rank sort of those defensemen in the first round here, would it be Reinbacker first or, or are you kind of going another way? And if so, what, you know, let's say top four, top five defensemen in the draft, which way are you leaning?
1: Yeah, so right now it's bakker I just think he's the most well-rounded. You know, he's probably a top three, top five defensive prospect in most key categories, whether it be the offensive, the defensive, the physical. He's kind of like a more Um, Maybe doesn't lay guys out like Sider, but can still throw big hits, can serve his energy well, can play the power play. It's very impressive that he played a whole year in the, the Swiss National League. That's a very yeah. good hockey league. To be doing that and play top minutes, play 20 minutes a night, that's really tough to do. We don't see a lot of really high draft prospects come from there, but that will change with him. Uh, I do like Samashev. I think he's probably the best shutdown defenseman. Uh, Axel and Pelica, uh, I think a very good all-around defenseman. Not a huge guy by any means, but just to, you know, moves the puck well. Um, Tom, will- Tom Willander uh, is the one that a lot of a lot of outlets are saying like maybe top 12, 13. I disagree, but I think that he's going to like, this th- still had such a great second half of the year, a very good puck mover. Uh, and then, so those are like kind of my, my top four right now. And then either uh, Guliav out of uh, Russia or, or Bonk. I'm, I'm liking what I've seen out of Oliver Bonk. I just think that guy's a modern day defenseman and just the, the sky's the limit here. So uh, yeah, I'm going, you know, kind of the order I said it there was the order I'm thinking
0: yeah i love that uh, do you think any of these guys are nhl ready like next season or are they all going to kind of go back to their teams
1: reinbacker is probably the closest and i don't think he should go uh i right. think everyone everyone this is not a strong year for draft drafting defense but that's part of why this draft to me is not an elite draft there's no like rasmus down lean. there's no star defenseman in this draft it's like yep. he's just
0: good good enough okay. to be a pretty solid defenseman yeah, no, that makes sense. And so not strong for defense and not really strong for goalies either. Um, so who are the top goalies coming out of this draft? Because I don't think we hear a lot on those goalies. Obviously, we're hearing Bedard and the, and the top 10 players that are kind of going off the board here. But who's the top goalie and and where are, the, where are they going to go?
1: Yeah, so it really kind of depends on who you talk to. I like Michael Rabbi, uh, played in Omaha in the USHL this year, six foot six goalie. So that already helps, but he never played on good teams. He, every team he played on, whether it be international, whether it be the USHL, he faced a lot of shots and was very good in that. Uh, you know, I, there's some flaws in his game, and you see them a lot in big goalies. Mad Sogard is a good example of a guy that could not handle shots down low, and that's an issue here with Rabbi, but I think he can figure that out. Trey Augustine, I think his record this year was like 31 and 2 outside of the world juniors, like that's unbelievable numbers. Yeah. That's, that's, that's about as good of a season we've seen yep. from a goalie on this team on the U S national development team since Spencer Knight, who was kind of like the gold standard at the time. Um, Carson Bjarne, since kind of just a modern day goalie, decent size moves. Well, uh, didn't have a great U 18s got pulled in the first game. He actually dealt with concussion in that tournament, but I talked to him. He's all good. Um, he also said that I asked him if he could have a million dollars, if he could buy anything, he'd buy a, a, a reasonably priced used car. So, uh, all right, take that for how you will. Um, so <laughs> the, the big wild card for me, though, is Adam Gayon, uh, the goalie for Slovakia at the World Juniors. And I don't like to use World Junior performances as a, this guy's really good. That is a short sample size. Like He played like four games in the tournament, I think like that. Like It right. wasn't like he was just out there every single night. Um, but for him, it was just like, A year ago around this time, he was just reaching out to teams saying, hey, would any of you guys take a chance on me? And Chippewa did an NAHL, and now he might be the best goalie prospect in the draft. You know, good size, very athletic, sees the ice really well, and the concerns are very minimal to him. It's like, oh, he overcommits a little bit too much. Okay, well, a good goalie coach could fix that. You know, a guy with that much potential and kind of, you know, was sight unseen a year ago uh, compared to a lot of these goalies and seeing how he's been able to rise. I think a lot of scouts looking at this is like he could be the best goal in this draft. There's still a lot of question marks. Can he sustain this? Will he be able to do this in Green Bay next year? Can he do that in the the NCAA when he goes to Minnesota Duluth? Questions there. But I, I think, you know, just from a there's so much there that I love him.
0: Yeah, no, that's good stuff. I'm gonna to have to keep my eye on those guys because yeah, you you get distracted by the shiny things, right? But then we got you know we got some reasonable uh, goalies and D that are you know gonna be going a little later. Do you think any goalies uh, pop in the first round here, or is it gonna be sort of second round?
1: To Me, it's either gonna be Gayon or, or or Rabbi, and I don't know if either of them are first round players. But uh, right. it's it's I don't think it's necessarily their fault. It's just you look at the first round talent, and it's just a lot of other guys.
0: It's just strong. Um, okay, Stephen, tell me what you think my Canucks are going to do with pick eleven. Give me some hope. Come on, what's it, it, what's going on here? Yeah, give me well, a give me a slam dunk. All right, that's what we need here.
1: Well, Tom Helander is the guy that I have pick going there, and I think that oh, could be God. you know you know what? Yeah, again, there's some issues with his defensive play, but there's so much potential that right. second half of the year. I have him on a story I'm coming out this weekend. He might have been the most improved defenseman this season, and. Nice that's a good sign. Uh, If you don't go for him, it could be Nate Danielson. And a lot of Canucks fans kind of find him a little boring because he is kind of a boring player, but he's well-rounded. He's reliable, both ends of the ice. Every time he plays with anybody, he's making them better. You know, Captain already at that age. Like, you know, there's a lot to like about there. Gabe Perot is an option guy. If you need a little bit of scoring, Oliver Moore, who, when I asked a scout um, and a quote that did very well for my Twitter, social media traffic, it uh, compared, Oliver Moore to Max Verstappen it, um, based off of how he's like the fastest sk- skater in the world. And Max Verstappen's the fastest driver in Formula One. Uh, you don't hear a lot of uh, players getting compared to Formula One drivers. Um, but uh, that that's kind of how it worked. Uh, and so like those are the ones I'd be keeping on. Matt Wood, you know, Vancouver product out there. Um, Connecticut University, really solid player. Used to be all, uh, used to live with Connor Bedard. Um, so he got that. And Dalbert Dvorsky, another one. Um, yeah, someone who Hit or miss well, this year, pick. but the hits yeah. the hits are high, and there's a lot to like there. So those are the guys I'd be looking at. Vancouver, even though they're not getting a top ten pick, is going to get a good prospect as long as they hold that first round pick. Which, unfortunately, we do know Vancouver sometimes makes questionable decisions on trading draft picks. So no, um, th- no, there's there's that.
0: <laughs> oh my god, they do it every time. Oh man, I, I, like I was, you know, I know with hindsight is 2020, 20, but you know, with Florida doing what they did in the playoffs this year, I look at Matt Tkachuk and I'm like. We could have had him, man. Oh my goodness, we picked Ole Olevi. Uh, which okay, you know what? That's that's that, that's fine. The thing.
1: That's that's the thing where you look at a guy playing pro hockey in Europe and say, like, "Ooh, exciting!" And then he
0: realized, "Oh, okay." Um,
1: hmm. there were some other guys we could have taken here.
0: Oh god, it's just depressing. But that that's fine. Um, okay. Let's move on. Uh, one thing I wanted to discuss with you really quick. We'll, we'll, uh, we're getting to the end here, so I really appreciate your time, Stephen. Um, t- can you talk to me a little bit about maybe last year's draft and some players from, from last year's draft that might be ready to make an impact in the NHL this upcoming season? Is there anyone you have your eye on?
1: So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. hope Slavkowski comes back and kind of sure. figures things out. Uh, we've seen Montreal where Cole Caulfield had a pretty uh, – weird start to his full rookie season and then figure that out. So Slavkowski, you know, a full healthy season should go a long way. Simon Imich, I you know, for as good as the devil's defense he is, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't start in the NHL just due to like who they got. But at the same time, I think he should be there. You know, looked really good in the AHL this year. Uh, Logan Cooley, you know, won't be, um, which is the right call for his uh, development stick in the NCAA, not going to play in a couple minutes a night for Arizona. Uh, Shane Wright, I don't know. (laughs) He's still my favorite.
0: That deployment in Seattle. What what are they doing? Like, even the best guys are not getting deployed. Like, you know.
1: But, you know, they looked quite, you look at the team they had and they did quite well. They didn't need Shane Wright to play well. It's whether or not they think, like, for me, I think the thing was he didn't blow up the Calder Cup playoffs Mm -hmm. and not, you know, guy going to the OHL to then the AHL. I, you know, that's kind of a big jump, but uh, I would have liked to see a bit more out of the playoffs. Granted, you know, they've got a good team there. There's a reason they're playing in the Calder Cup final. Um, David Irchak is the one that I'm really looking forward to seeing what he could do right. in Columbus. Like I'm not, I won't be surprised if he's playing top pairing by the end of the season. I think he's already better than Ivan Provorov. So um, just what seeing what we saw him in the AHL, I'm, I'm ready to go all in on David Irchak. So those are the guys I'm looking at here. And it'll be interesting to see if Matt Savoy maybe starts the year in Buffalo. I uh, wouldn't surprise me. I, I think almost like you kind of want to limit how much time he's in the um in in the junior hockey because I don't know how much he's got to prove, but he can't go to the AHL unless he does, They do the, what they did with Shane Wright, which was just like, oh yeah, we're just going to scratch him a lot. But that's not yeah. really a great yeah, call either.
0: Crushed the man's
1: confidence. Yeah, I hope he starts the year in the NHL. That's that's how I look at it there.
0: Yeah, he looked like a beauty to me. One of my favorite things about the draft last year in, in Montreal is when he fell and then he just stared down, um, like Montreal, like the, their table. I don't know if it was true, but that's what you know Twitter showed. Just that just gave him the death guy. I like, put huh? well, I was, what, I was on the draft.
1: I, I was out by the draft floor. I'm pretty sure that was not where Montreal's table was.
0: Oh, okay, he was just—he was just staring off into nothing. He—he he was just pissed at the world. I, I don't
1: remember what he was looking at, but uh, I just say I don't—I
0: wouldn't be too worried about it. <laughs>
1: okay, right H- H- Habs fans made a big deal over it. I'm like, you guys are a little silly.
0: Come on. Oh, okay, all right. Well, that's fair. Um, all right. One thing I need to get from you while I got you here, Stephen. Give me who's your—who's your sleeper? Who's your sleeper from this draft in the first round? Someone that you were higher on than others. Maybe some we haven't talked about, because I got a new dynasty league. All right, and I need some help. Okay, i I'm, it's 24 veterans, 24, 24 prospects. I need I need somebody that everyone else is not going to be rushing to get. What do you got for me, Stephen? Come on. I'll give, give you lock. two. I'll give oh, you two. Wait, okay.
1: Otto Stenberg, a guy that looked unbelievable against his own competition, own age group in Sweden, looked terrible against older competition. Next year, he should play full year against his older competition. And I think that he'll be able to take that step. He's not worrying about getting sent down anymore. I think that'll be good. The other one here, Nick Lardis. Um, a guy that you know could be first late first rounder, could be early second rounder. For Nick Lardis, he went from producing absolutely nothing in Peterborough in the first half of the year to scoring like every other game, putting up a ton of points, a bunch of multi-point games in Hamilton. I'm confident in saying he's going to hit 50 goals next year in the OHL, and it's going to be a guy that no one really saw coming. And one more. Oscar Fisker Mulgaard. I've said his name on every show, basically, I've talked on for a reason. You know, a guy that played a full year in HV71 in Sweden. Uh, The only player that did better than that as an under, like a draft eligible player was Leo Carlson. Um, uh, Played at the World Championships. Uh, Might not go out there and produce a ton of points, but could still do a lot in a lot of situations he can hit he can do other things um so we'll see what that but those are the three guys i'm looking at and saying you know they might be ones to keep an eye on as players that five years ten years down the line are like wow
0: they they turned it on i love it man okay i'm I'm gonna hold you to task on this steven you're doing me a big favor all right i'll split the winnings with you okay we'll do we'll do that you get a percentage (laughs) um (laughs) <laughs> yeah i'll do my best yeah um and I, I do have to put you on the spot here what do you think calder winner next season who who who's <sighs> leading it in your mind what do you think who's who's gonna get to biz i
1: i don't i don't know <laughs> like i don't I, yeah. like 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 actually sorry no that's stupid I did. it's connor Bedard. um <laughs> but uh no uh it, it's like a pedard for sure and then um but it'd be interesting. Cause you know, like it's not always like the best prospect and necessarily wins it. Cause you know, you gotta stay healthy. You gotta do everything there. And, um, matters the situation. I wouldn't be shocked if coach, well, is coach still eligible? I'm not sure. I think
0: he, I think he was last year. Cause I actually thought he was going to get nominated last year. So I think he he's, he's still, still eligible this year too. okay. Uh, yeah. Maybe, uh, because he only played like a handful of games the year before. So
1: he played, he's okay. He's played 28 games. So that probably answers that question. Um, but, uh, yeah, Kevin okay, Levi
0: maybe even for. Uh, for uh, Buffalo?
1: I, I'm not even convinced he's the number one guy in Buffalo next year. He'll be in Buffalo. I'm not convinced he's the number one right away. Like you're you're yeah. asking a lot out of a guy who just came out of college hockey to be your number one starting goalie on a team that's on the up. Um, so
0: uh, yeah, I'm going Bedard. Bedard, it's safe, and you know it's it's probably L- a little a little correct. You know what? Do you, yeah. we got to wait. These players come out of the woodwork, like more at cider. Who called that? Nobody. Oh, oh, oh. I I was huge on cider.
1: The year he got drafted. I, when he got drafted and people were saying like, this is silly. I'm like, no, it's not. This is a good pickup. And he's out Okay. So that's, that's one I feel really proud about.
0: I love it. Way to go, Steven. Um, buddy, thanks so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate your time. I noticed you got some electric drums in the back there, Steven. What's, what's the situation here? What, what do you, uh, you know, the
1: This is my basement's a bit of a mess, but I got an eight string guitar or seven string guitar right there. I got a few in the back right there. My Explorer is my favorite guitar there. I've got, uh, you can't see it here, but I got a, I have a six string bass uh, for when I play live shows. And then I got a electric drum set
0: for recording music. I'll see you do music too. That's awesome, buddy. Me too. I, I I spent a lot of years uh, as a musician, failed musician. Um, I like to introduce myself as no one liked our music, so that's fine. Um, But it's fun. Oh my gosh. Uh, So that's, it's a nice hobby. Hey.
1: I record, yeah. I haven't recorded a lot of music in a while, but it's like I used to do it a lot in university. And then I um, I played a couple shows with a friend's band when they needed an extra, or needed their bass player. And there was one show we had to stop mid song because there was a, there was the Calgary versus, um, uh, Calgary versus Oilers game on TV and it was a goalie fight. I think it was Cam Talbot and Mike Smith. And we stopped the song watch the goalie fight. <laughs> that um, makes total sense. Yeah. See, that, that was an interesting day because that morning I, I was, I did, a, I was working on a story that was helping someone with a story where we had lunch with Alex Ovechkin out in Ottawa, took the train back and was doing a concert and there's a goalie fight. I'm like, what a, what a weird day that was. But uh, uh yeah, so that that's been a while. I haven't played a show since uh, COVID, but uh, uh yeah, it was a lot of fun doing it.
0: We'll get back to it, buddy. I, uh, yeah, I, I used to play a bunch as, as well. And then yeah, COVID kind of took care of that, didn't it? Um, no but you know that's fine we, we can still record and you know make music for ourselves right yeah. um buddy thanks so much i really appreciate having you on here steven i want to give you just a um anything you want to promote or anything that's upcoming for you maybe give your socials out and all that business
1: yeah so my twitter is slshockey uh i'll be tweeting a lot about prospects um you know i've uh uh Draft preview stuff kind of coming out every single day, leading up to the draft, after the draft, things like that. So a lot of stuff. And uh, I'm also, I tweet a lot about racing on weekends. So uh, you'll see me tweet a lot about uh, 24-hour endurance races, sports car races, things like that. And and the occasional pictures of my girlfriend's cat.
0: So uh, blueberry. So it's
1: uh, kind of uh, all over the place, but uh, that's what I like to do.
0: There you go, eclectic. And Stephen, uh, you're gonna. Uh, I'm hoping that you can hook up Fantasy NHL today with uh, Michael Bublé. Let's let's get that going. Let's get that collab going. Um, you know, we'll 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 back on that. You know, we got to get him on the show. All right, I need it. We'll a-
1: see what he's up to. We'll see what he's up to. Oh, that's nice. All right, oh thank you, buddy.
0: All right, uh, you gotta go out and check Daily Faceoff. Uh, Steven is crushing right now. Tons of content, amazing content, draft content, and other stuff. Plus the Puck poolies podcast. I got to say too, you guys are killing it. I love that podcast. You and Matt uh, doing, doing some great work there. Great. Um, every time I, I see a, an episode come up cause I'm, I follow you guys. So when an episode comes, I'm like, Oh, this is such a good topic. Like you guys are just doing good topics and you guys also do betting too, which I think is really good. It's not something I do. So.
1: Yeah. Matt's, Matt's kind of the, the catalyst behind it, making sure it all works out planning it all. And he's uh, you know, a lot of fun doing it with him and uh, yeah. uh, we, we, yeah, it's because I'm like of, of the Daily Faceoff crew. Most of them are kind of either in Edmonton, Philadelphia, other places. We're the only two Toronto guys. So it's kind of like, it's kind of fun getting to work together. And, uh, you know, our past with the hockey news is great too. So it kind of works out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You guys are putting out some really high level, uh, high quality content. So I appreciate that. Thank you guys for for the work you do there. Um, but that's all we have. That's all we have for today's show. I hope this helped you guys uh, with your with your draft stuff. Um, I'm excited about the draft coming up. It's June 28th in nashville steven's gonna be eating some uh you know some some different kind of foods and checking out the you know the wares of nashville there so uh good luck to you buddy enjoy the draft
1: yeah thanks so much i can't wait i'm not gonna listen to country music i just i just can't take myself to do that
0: all right all right that's a verbal contract steven okay so that's confirmed all right only nashville metal i think is where you're going am i I right on that steven can't imagine there's a lot of metal bands in nashville but i might be completely wrong my man. Okay. Well, we'll find them. I'll send you some links. Um, okay. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate that. Uh, if you can head on over and give us a give us a review, um, I would love that. That's something that hasn't happened in a while. So review the podcast. Uh, follow me on Twitter. All that stuff. Thank you for your time. Celebrate your day, everyone. Bye for now.
1: A rational explanation is hardly necessary.